Welcome to the Park Life Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Croker. Join me on a deep dive into the lives of people dedicated to the business of fun. You'll find me at parklifestories at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Now, enjoy the ride. Laurie Podmore is a true character. His life has been filled with many unique adventures, and his theme park journey has seen him move across Dreamworld, Warner Brothers Movie World, and SeaWorld, bringing smiles and laughter as he goes. Here we sit and have a brief chat about some of his very own special park life. How long do you think it's been since we last sat down like this? It has been around about 15 to 20 years. Yeah, that's crazy. You never return my calls or I'd write letters, I'd never hear back. No, that's because you moved out. You, you moved down um, to Sydney and left the dog with me. All right, let's not get too personal. For those that are listening, uh, Laurie and I did live together for a little while, so full disclosure. And I had a dog at the time, and there's a whole other story there. Laurie, you've had a fairly fascinating life in the theme park scene on the Gold Coast here in Queensland, Australia, where we are. You've worked in not only Warner Brothers Movie World, where your theme park career kicked off, but there was time at Dreamworld and then time at SeaWorld, which is where I got to know you. But before we get into the three parks and your experiences there, can we go back in time? I think your father's story particularly is a part of Australia's legacy in the, the racing industry, part of our history. And could you just tell us a little bit about that and then maybe the impact and the influence of what your father achieved, which I think did have a strong impact on you, didn't it? Yeah, Dad um, won the Melbourne Cup in 1956 on Evening Peel. So um, I've always had a really good life and I wanted camels and Dad said, you know, you shouldn't do that, you should have horses. Um, but the thing is, I did try getting in as an apprentice and I really wasn't suited for it. But then in 1988, I heard about the camel race going across Australia. So I applied for it. And then the news got onto it about George Podmore's sons going in a camel race. And then, bang, I got sponsors and everything, and I couldn't back out. So I went through with it, and it was really good for me because um, it, I was then invited to go over to Dubai in 1989 to race the camels against Sheikh Mohammed El Maktoum. So... Um, Trevor Lindstrom, a friend of mine, uh, we both flew 32 camels, I think it was, over to Arabia. That must have been an incredible experience. What was it like over there doing that? Well, um, Dubai was pretty new in those days. Everything was sand, but it was just fantastic. We um, were treated like royalty and everything, and we got what we wanted, and it was just terrific. You know, um, When I came back to Australia and landed... Movie World actually approached me to see if I would like to work with them. So I took that on. When they reached out to you, what kind of work did you start doing with them? The stunt show, um, the Wild West, and that was just fantastic. What did you find challenging about that? Because obviously you're someone now that's just moving with the wind, it seems. You're taking opportunities as they come. What were some of the challenges when you start working in the stunt world? Well, um, there wasn't a lot of challenges because I was a horseman and everything like that. The only thing is, was the high jumps. I had to like look at the ground and, and when I started doing the high jumps, um, I would just say to myself, this is my job and then just black out and go over the edge. So that's how I got through that. There seems to be a spirit in you right from the beginning where you haven't been afraid to try new things. 
were you consciously aware of the fact that you were being fearless about that or were you just instinctively thinking I'll try this it's an opportunity I'll throw myself into it well I was always taught from my, my dad and my uncle um, if you fall off the horse get back straight away and ride on don't whinge about it just carry on and I think that's just the way it is in life with me if if I have a lot of um, letdowns which I have I just get up and I start again yeah that's really well said how many years did that take up of your life I think uh, Movie World was around about four years. I'm not sure, but it was just fantastic. You know, like um, I really would love to thank everyone. Um, um, Martin Molan was the one who was in charge of me at the time and Paul Wade. You know, they gave me the opportunities. They um, just helped me out. From there, I went to Dreamworld as a bush ranger. And before we jump into Dreamworld, I'm just curious, did you, obviously moving into Dreamworld would suggest you started to develop a love of performance? Yes, and, and being an outback um, type of person was me. And when I had the chance of becoming um, a, like a cowboy type of thing, a bush ranger, I grabbed it. You move out of movie world. It's been about four years and you've been working in the show and entertainment division. What attracts you across to dream world? Um, I was a bush ranger. I applied for the bush ranger, and that's all I wanted to do at that time. And I tried to get my camels in, but I couldn't. So I just took the bush ranger job. Were you falling in love with the whole idea of performance? Was that becoming something you really started to think, I could do this my whole life? Yeah, I really thought that um, I would do something like that all, all my life. And I more or less have. You know, I've done quite a lot in my time. So I really loved that opportunity and had a great time. You do that for a seasonal holiday term and then SeaWorld comes along and this is where our lives intersect because for a little while there we had a, the equivalent of a street theatre department at SeaWorld and it was called the live action department and I had headed that up and we were after talent and I think that's where we first met. Can you recall what the attraction was for getting to SeaWorld? Um, yeah, I thought it was a great opportunity to try and get into SeaWorld because they did open a new department, which was the acting, and I thought, oh, this is me all over. So I went over for the interview, and when I had the interview with Anne-Marie O'Neill, I had really long hair, and she said that, well, you know, we have a policy here, you know, of short hair. So I went out straight away cut my hair and came back and she was in shock she didn't know that I was going to do that and I, I really believe that I, I think she had no other opportunity to try and get rid of me but to give me the job because of what I did. <laughs> we should mention Anne-Marie is known to us she's the at the time was the head of human resources at SeaWorld and is now our Village Roadshow theme parks head of people and culture has had a long career in the industry herself so you went away you, you took off those uh, long locks, and you started working as, a, as an actor. And it was a lot of improvisational-based performance as well, wasn't it? And you were given the opportunity to create characters. Can you tell us about one of the key creations that you made that was perfectly suited to SeaWorld? It was a pirate character, if I recall. Can you tell us about him? Yeah, I came up with this character um, called Captain Sea Dog, and he was uh, had a bit of a tummy on him, and I had a big pillow in the back there, and he was just like a fantastic um, character to do. And I'd come up to people and say, "G'day, girls! I bet you're pleased to see me." And he was a very cheeky um, character, and it was just fantastic to do that. And then Mike or you gave me the opportunity to do 
other things. Captain Sea Dog is the one that I was mainly known for. What was the best part about that improvisational kind of performance for you? Because you weren't working to script, so it's park roving and it's guest interaction very directly. How did you find that? Well, we did have a kind of a script, you know, like um, you used to make us come out with a script and try and stick to it as best as we possibly could. We had to run through and tell you what we were going to do to plan. You've got a better memory of this than I have. I thought it was just a little looser than that. <laughs> no, no. no. You, you would have a meeting with us in the mornings and show us really what we were um, expected to do. Then we'd go and do the crowd control and roving it around. It was just a fantastic thing. We did have loose ends, you know, every so often, but we, um, we always did a good job, I thought. I remember one of the events you and I worked and we were playing vikings oh you're not going to mention that <laughs> maybe oh, i won't God. go into the whole thing but i remember we were both doing vikings that the client had requested we want a vikings oh, theme no. so we had the big horned helmets and we had the axes and we had the 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 thick fur vests and the boots and swords and it was it was a very involved i remember you helping me dress yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah tammy and i had your outfit ready for you you know in the change room where we were going which was the local toilets and um, we had it hang on let's get it in perspective <laughs> we're in the theme park i remember where we got changed and it was in a change facility that was on the endeavor boat we used to have the endeavor replica boat and we converted that into a, a fit a fitting room and i remember i dressed myself and then i walked out to show you how it looked well, the thing is, you know, we were shocked because we were already on stage. You know, we were there mixing with the crowd and everything, and you came out in something completely different. And Tammy and I just looked at each other, and we couldn't believe it. So we carried on, but your outfit was just sitting there all ready for you. And I'd improvise something else that didn't look like a Viking at all. No, no, no you looked like you'd just come back from a Mardi Gras or something. <laughs> all right, all right. How many years at SeaWorld for you? I think I did about five years, something like that. I'm not too sure, but um, I left there and, and had the opportunity to go to Japan, so I took that on. And when you look back at all those years working in theme parks, it's been a life of entertainment, a life of working with people. But prior to that, it was a life working with animals and then having those opportunities. But you also have a food background as well, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I'm a chef by trade and, and I was um, chef de parte and, and executive chef at quite a few places, but um, usually chefs like to cook. I hated it. Why? I'm not sure. I just wanted to get back into, you know, like I wanted to get into acting all my life, more or less. And so I just followed that passion and, and the cooking side of it was just a backup. I was in the Navy for eight years and I, I was a chef fair, but um, really I always hated it. Really? What was the, was it a, a feeling of repression when you're in the services that this wasn't you? Um, I grew up with, on a really good life, you know, like I had everything, you know. Um, my dad's saying was, if you want something, you buy it. If you don't buy it, you miss out. Um, and I think I was very different, you know, I had a beautiful um, hold and everything brand new, you know, driving around and everyone would be saluting me thinking that I was an officer because everyone else drove really old Holdens and stuff like that. So it was really different for me. How many years in the services were you? 
Um, I did eight years. Yeah, that was enough. It's been a big life. You've packed a lot in, and there's still more ahead. What do you see when you look ahead? Would you see yourself back back into performance, or are you enjoying what you're doing now? What What do you see when you look ahead? Um, I went on that camel race in '88, um, which I mentioned earlier, and that really changed my life. Um, being out there in the outback with the camels, I fell in love with camels, and I would really love to work with camels doing safaris because when you ride a camel, after about 20 minutes, the stress just drifts away. What is it about it that becomes that therapeutic, meditative? I'm not sure, but camels are like dogs, you know, like you get good ones and bad ones. I had a fantastic one, Bogart, and he um, was just, you know, really good to be around. You know, it was just terrific. If you could tell me one moment that sticks in your head from your theme park life that you have real pride in, is there, I'm sure there's been many, many of them, what sticks out above all else? Well, really, it, it's the, the main thing that sticks out in my head when I mention anything about Movie World or Sea World is the Viking day that you came in that different thing. That, that, honestly, that is the thing that really sticks in my head. I had a great day every day at Movie World and SeaWorld. SeaWorld was just fantastic. I made it into the ski show and everything, um, you know, and I'd come flying in and land on the beach. But when people talk about SeaWorld, to me, that um, Viking day actually comes into my head straight away. You don't think about the diving. We used to do the divers pre-show before the ski show where we'd have a, a shark fin that was weighted and we had the divers. The diver would swim <laughs> past the stadium with a shark fin towing behind. Do you remember that? I remember that really well because um, everything I'd come up with, I'd you know put to you like it was me who came up with that shark fin and you had it built and it was just fantastic. So a lot of props that we did use and a lot of ideas that I had in my head, I would talk to you about it and you'd say, yeah, sure, let's go ahead. And it was just fantastic, like seeing that you know um, in my head just come to reality. It was just great. It's been a terrific life and you've packed a lot in and there's still many more years ahead. So thanks for sitting down and doing Park Life. It's been good just to jump from Movie World to Dream World and over to Sea World and capture some of your story. Yeah, thanks very much, Michael. But um, I didn't know it was just a podcast. I thought I was here for a job interview. Yeah, I'd be willing to talk to you about that. We, we have some opportunities that are just not there right now. So why don't you take my card and you give me a call. Look, don't call soon, and you know what? I'll call you. <laughs> yep, no worries. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Bye. See you later.